I'm not even going to try to sing that ridiculous song, It's Raining Men, but it was raining threes, particularly at JPJ this past Saturday, which is where we begin covering the Commonwealth. Yep, we're copying this idea. Covering the Commonwealth, a look at the locally interesting teams and stories from the experts who cover them. Let's start with the Virginia Cavaliers. With Jerry Ratcliffe of jerryratcliffe.com. Veteran UVA reporter, Hootie. So many threes were going in for Virginia this past Saturday that even your guy, Jonathan Cotton, had to shell out over five grand in cash because some dude hit a half-court shot. That's how hot the three-pointers were this past Saturday at JPJ. Yeah, I know Jonathan Cotton from the Good Feet Store was had to be happy about it. He was celebrating with the kid after he hit that. But, yeah, it was raining threes. Ed, um, and that, that's what this team I expected uh, in the preseason with all the shooters they brought in through the transfer portal plus Isaac McNeely I really thought this was going to be an outstanding perimeter team it took a little longer to get started than I expected but I, I think we'll see maybe not that many but I think we'll see uh, a lot of that as this season grows Yes, we probably will for the Virginia Cavaliers. Have they started playing their best basketball, though, since that loss to Wisconsin? And it may not be out-rebounding everyone all the time, but finding a way to at least mitigate the damage as we saw against Texas A&M and even more so against Syracuse? Or was that just a product of those matchups? I think a little bit of both. Uh, Syracuse is not a really strong rebounding team either. They're toward the bottom of the ACC in, in rebounding margin. And in particularly, I think they were last place in defensive rebounding. So um, it was probably was a little deceiving in, in that statistic. But uh, I think Tony Bennett and his coaches have put a lot of emphasis on it since the Wisconsin game. They know they're, particularly when they start four guards, they're not going to be as big as other teams. That concentrate on blocking out after every shot trying to get the guards more involved in in rebounding and it paid some dividends. Uh, it wasn't quite so bad in the last couple of games. In fact, they out-rebounded Syracuse, but uh, that's something they're going to have to deal with the rest of the season, particularly when they go up against bigger teams like uh, maybe North Carolina. Yeah, that's one of the challenges for Virginia basketball that will await. They get ready for a rent-a-victim game tomorrow night against NC Central and then the exam break, followed by a little bit of an ease after that. So we'll pivot away from basketball to football with Jerry Ratcliffe here in the fast lane. Malik Washington announcing within the last hour or so that he will leave UVA to go to the NFL draft. I'll be honest, dude. I was shocked. I didn't even think he had any eligibility left the way he handled it on senior day. Is this a surprise to you, or is this almost more a surprise that it's being treated like it's a shock that he's departing early? Well, I was I was surprised he had any eligibility left, but, yeah, we're still dealing with that extra COVID year that some of us, uh, yeah, it's just so hard to keep track of, especially guys coming here from the transfer portal. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I know Virginia said all year long that they wish they had him back for another year. I don't know if they knew he had another year of eligibility either. But, um, yeah, you can't blame the guy for going to the NFL after the season he had. It would be hard to duplicate that again next year, even with teaming back up with Calandria. But he's had a 
a year for the a season for the ages. I don't know how he could ever improve upon that. He, he's definitely a guy that should be drafted and should make some NFL team pretty happy. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, that's the skill set that he brings was, and what he did this past year was amazing. It's always amazing when we can catch with Jerry Ratcliffe, which is what we've done today. Hootie, thank you for your time. We look forward to chatting again in another week. We'll see you next week, Ed. Now to the Virginia Tech Hokies. Hokie, hokie, hokie high. David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. David, a pleasure to speak with you. Virginia Tech, they are going to the Military Bowl But I'll be honest, what stood out to me when Brent Pry met with the media last night was the fact that so much of the conversation was focused on how the last week and change has really been more about roster evaluation and how Brent Pry seems to be as thankful as anything that roster evaluation is something he and his staff will be able to do leading up to the military bowl. Yes, we can preview it in a moment, but how much does that indicate that Brent Pry and his staff seem to have their eyes on something bigger than just making annual military bowl appearances with all due respect to the folks in Annapolis? Yeah, Ed, great to be with you as always. Appreciate your time. I think it's huge. I think it, it you can tell when Virginia Tech's, uh, when, when you listen to Brent Pry talk about Virginia Tech and where this program is headed you can tell that this he's building to something. They're, they're building to something bigger. I think Antoine Powell-Ryland announcing he's coming back was a big signal of that. We have not heard about Bashaw Tootin or Daquan Felton or Jalen Lane, but there's a chance that all of those guys come back on the offensive side of the ball. This Virginia Tech team could be good next year, even better than it was this year. And I think the biggest thing is the Hokies are continuing to build. Yes, they've had a couple guys enter the transfer portal here and there over the, over the last uh, week or so. That's going to happen. There's going to be attrition. But the important part is they're still looking ahead to the future. Brent Pride talked about this week how important it is to get bowl practices for the young kids so you can evaluate them and so you have more information on them when you head into spring ball. Every single minute, Virginia Tech gets a chance to practice, gets a chance to improve. That's a step forward in the future. We're chatting with David Cunningham, techsideline.com, with us here in the fast lane. David, you mentioned some of the names of players that may or may not be back, although the expectation is that will happen. Antoine Power Island, he is coming back to Virginia Tech, the edge rusher who was the top hokey in terms of sacks and pressures generated. How much of this was actually a business decision for a guy that looks like he could still do a little bit better to boost his stock? Yeah, I, I think it's exactly that, Ed. He, he's a guy who played very, very well, had nine and a half sacks this year. He would have been the first, if he is, if he gets it in the in the bowl game against Tulane, he will be the first Virginia Tech player uh, since Daryl Tapp in 2005 to get double-digit sacks in a season. It just doesn't happen. And I think, obviously, some of his stuff came in, in one or two games, the majority of it. Uh, he had a four-sack game against uh, Wake Forest or Syracuse. But this season, this second year in the system, can really help him. We saw how good he could be in year one. I think year two can kind of propel him maybe into a good NFL career. He came from Florida as a little bit of an outside linebacker. So now being able to play as a kind of an end more instead of back in, in one of the, the back seven, I should say. Um, he's growing, growing accustomed to it, and I thought he had a good year. But I think 
year two could even be even better for him. I think he's a very talented player. He's got a bright future ahead. And in this defense, Virginia Tech is losing most of its defensive tackles. They're veteran guys like Josh Fuga, Mario Kendricks, Norrell Pollard. Now, Fuga still has a chance to come back, but he has not made an announcement. But the fact that APR is coming back gives Virginia Tech a defensive anchor up front for next year. I think that's huge. David, last one for you. This is our two-for-one basketball men's and women's special. Who's had a more concerning red flag raising week for Virginia Tech? Is it the men's team, which got blown out at Auburn and then struggled against the Louisville team that's expected to be at bottom of the ACC in men's basketball? Or is it the women who had some warts exposed against LSU on the road this past Thursday? And I will say the men. I think the, the women kind of know what they have so to speak. They they understand that they've got two All-Americans and they're trying to figure out the rest. And I, I'm curious to see when that will come. Obviously, big game on on January 7th at home against NC State. Between now and then, Zach has a bit of time to figure some things out. With the men, it might not be so simple. I thought Louisville looked better yesterday, Ed, than it did last year. That is a team that, yes, might still be at the bottom of the ACC, but is improved. MJ Collins came along yesterday. That was a positive. But Virginia Tech has to figure some things out. The good news, Tech has about a month until it plays Wake Forest in its second ACC game on December 30th. A little bit of time to figure some things out. But I think that Auburn and Florida Atlantic game, even going back to last Sunday, kind of showed that Virginia Tech doesn't necessarily have all of the depth pieces there. Hokies still have a lot of things to figure out. They need Trompadula to be more consistent. They need more performances like Sunday was for MJ Collins. They need everybody to contribute every single night. They've lacked that consistency so far. Can they find it? These next four games between now uh, and New Year's, crucial, crucial point in the season for the Hokies. We're chatting with David Cunningham of TechSideline.com. He's at the Real TheRealDConA on Twitter and Instagram. David, thank you for your time and insight. Always great to catch up with you. Sounds good, Ed. Talk to you soon. Now to the Liberty Flames. Alan York, play-by-play voice, Liberty Flames. Alan, it's been a wild 73 hours for Liberty Flames fans and supporters from Friday night's Conference USA Championship to finding out yesterday they are, in fact, going to a New Year's Six Bowl, taking on Oregon New Year's Day, 1 p.m., down in Arizona in the Fiesta Bowl. How much energy you got left in your tank? My tank is full, my man. I'm always, my glass is always half full, Ed. Thanks again for having me on here tonight. I tell you what, I was telling people today I was in the club room at Williams Stadium at 2.30 yesterday with the football team, uh, with my wife, and I've been at Liberty 13 years, and I still get nervous getting on the radio for every broadcast, even tomorrow for our basketball game against Mississippi Valley State. I'll get the butterflies. But my heart was racing so fast as we were watching them announce the final New Year's Six game, like it has ever before at Liberty. It was riveting. It was exciting. It was uh, excitingly chaotic once they did announce it in that room. Uh, Moment I'll never forget, and it's just building. We had a lot of meetings today internally with the bowl folks. We got a group going out to Phoenix tomorrow for a site visit. So it's a great time to talk Liberty Athletics for sure. 
How much does this put a perfect cap on literally a perfect season, 13-0, and Champions of Conference USA in the first year in that conference? I mean, it's it's the best we could have hoped for. Um, you know, ever since Liberty got the waiver to go FBS in 2017, this was the dream, this was the vision under uh, Dr. Jerry Falwell, you know, um, and, and it's coming to fruition here. And then when you get into a conference like Conference USA, the immediate talk was, okay, New Year's Six, and then college football playoff expands next year. So on the fast track for sure in year one under Jamie Chadwell, um, but you could not have asked for a better situation to be playing Oregon on New Year's Day in the Fiesta Bowl. It's a dream come true for everybody that follows Liberty Athletics and everybody is part of this journey, including administration, students, fans, alumni, fans that are becoming fans that may not be alums, so they're all part of it. We're chatting with Alan York, play-by-play voice for the Liberty Flames in covering the Commonwealth here on the Fast Lane. Alan, last one for you. We'll wait for basketball for a little bit later. Heck, we'll wait for what this means for Liberty at another time because there's plenty of time to analyze the run to the New Year's Six Bowl against Oregon, the Fiesta Bowl. How much should Flames fans savor the moment, though? Because you only get one first for something like this. I think you favor it forever. Um, just like the first Power 5 win against Baylor back in 2017. You never forget it. You always remember where you were when you played Oregon. And let's dream about beating the Ducks. I mean, last few times that I've looked, uh, Boise State had a tremendous win over Oklahoma in that venue some years ago. So Liberty fans can dream about beating the Ducks. And, man, what a New Year's gift that would be if that would come to fruition. And, you know, Jamie Chadwell is going to have his team ready to play. Everybody's excited. Uh, but being the first to do it is is tremendous. And first year in the league, first time Conference USA has been represented in the New Year's Six. Uh, so shout out to Commissioner Junior McLeod and uh, Ian McCall, Liberty Athletics Director, doing a great job. So um, it's tremendous. Can't wait to begin our prep for it and uh, get out there a few days prior to the New Year's and, and kick it off at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. LU Flames Voice, the Twitter and Instagram accounts for Alan York, who's with us in the fast lane. Alan, thank you for your time today. We'll chat again. All right, Dad. Great show. Thank you. Go Flames. Alan York with us here in the fast lane. When we return, we pivot away. The JMU Dukes, boy, their outlook looks a lot different. Radford Islander men's basketball, solid week for them. And the Washington Commanders, well, you can hear that coming. That's the freight train that may be taking the coaching staff out of that complex. That's still to come. This is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.